It's always fun to sit down with another consultant or author and dive into their field of expertise to find powerful ideas and tools that you can use to improve your life and leadership. However, some of the best ideas come not from experts, but from you and our other colleagues who are still in classrooms and buildings. Today's conversation meanders like a pleasant stroll alongside a slow-moving stream, and like any fall-time hike in the Smoky Mountains, it possesses its own beauty and splendor. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Kelly Scarborough has been an educator for 17 years. She's invested her career teaching primary grades and building a foundation and love of learning in her students. In January, she opens a new chapter in beginning her doctoral studies in educational leadership. Kelly has a passion for servant leadership and believes that leading with empathy and a genuine desire to serve others fosters authentic, deep relationships and cultivates positive change. While Kelly is a full-time teacher, she is also excited to continue her journey as she continues to grow as an educator and leader. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. Hey, we always start with celebrations. So what are you celebrating today? So I have two celebrations, one personal, one professional. Um, personally, it's birthday season at our house. And so we just kicked off our first birthday for our middle child on uh, Veterans Day. And then we will continue with birthdays for all three of my children and my husband by December 3rd. So it's been birthday season. <laughs> That's what our June looks like, but I can't imagine pairing it with Christmas. Yeah, I'm the outlier, so I'm July. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, professionally, I am celebrating that I have decided to um, take on a new journey of going for my doctorate. So I have officially submitted everything, getting ready for my interview with the dean and awaiting to see if I'll be admitted into the program. So. I'm excited about that. Wow. Congratulations. That is a huge decision to take that step. Yes. It, it took a lot of thought and a lot of prayer, but I know it's right. So I'm excited. Awesome. You'll have to let us know what happens. I'm, yes. I mean, I'm sure you'll get in, but <laughs> we can sell that, share that celebration with the audience when it happens. Kelly, is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing what you do now? Um, honestly, it's been just growth throughout my whole career. So in the very beginning, if um, you had asked me, like, if I would ever take on a leadership position of any sort, I would have been strongly, I would have strongly told you no, um, that I just wanted to be a classroom teacher, shut my door, do my own thing. 
But over the years, um, I've been fortunate to have several leaders um, in my area and then just reaching out and finding leaders like you that have inspired me to continue growing as an educator. And then just over time, people's beliefs in me have helped mold me into believing that I can do it. So a lot of self-doubt at first and just slowly seeing it in myself like other people did. So that's kind of what has gotten me into the teacher leadership role and um, being encouraged to possibly step into a school leadership role. I love that. And one of the things that we had talked about before is that you're not in the hierarchical administrative leadership role, right? And and yet you have a lot of opportunities to lead. And we're going to dig into that in a few minutes because I think it's really important for listeners to always be thinking about leadership, not as a position, but leadership as what you do and who you are, right? And we can all lead no matter where we are. But first, I want to back up and just get your feel for what's going on in schools. I'm hearing from a lot of principals that teachers are really stressed out this year. And I wanted to check in and see what's happening in your school, if you're seeing that kind of stress on teachers and and then what might be causing that. And then let's talk through a couple of things that might be helpful for teachers, for administrators to be able to support those people. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I honestly would say that um, the biggest thing is we have so many irons in the fire. So, so many different jobs that we take on, so many different initiatives that are new or are being improved. And so there's just a lot that's going on. And um, I know that teachers want to feel supported through that. Yeah. Do you want to give me an example? So um, like I know our county in particular, um, we are in implementing some new initiatives in our literacy. Um, one of the things is called UFLY. So it's going to touch on phonics. Um, that will be the, the major focus there. But so we're always looking to build and strengthen like our literacy programs. So that's just a new initiative that's just going to take time for teachers to like figure out um, what the best practices for teaching that are going to be. And then, you know, I mean, just the normal everyday things of, you know, you're a communicator with parents. Sometimes you're a counselor to kids. You've got the grading and everything else that goes with it. And so it can just be a lot. And then especially if you're someone who's going home and you have things going on at home, which is everybody, whether you have kids or, or whatever, you know, just trying to learn that balance, that work-life balance and being able to do it all and feel like you're doing okay with all of it. So I think there was this idea when, when I was teaching and I've been out of the classroom for too long now, but my generation of teachers, we kind of pretended that, that we could go in and do our job and shut our doors and that our school lives and our home lives could be kept separate. And I think that's one of the things that's happened, especially post COVID is that we recognize that probably was never true, but now we, at least we can acknowledge that, right? We can acknowledge when teachers are coming in or leaders are coming in the building and they're carrying all those things that happened outside. And I think that creates opportunity, right? Because we can build school communities that 
are meeting people's needs in a more holistic way, just like we talk about meeting kids in a holistic way. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's one of the one of the things that I was going to say that is a help towards that is I know sometimes we look at like the meetings and for particularly we say our PLT, so our professional learning teams within our community as just one more thing to do, but we often forget that's actually a support for us so that we're kind of all working interdependently with each other and not relying so much on just myself to do all the things that have to be done. And so I know that there are supports in place, but sometimes we lose sight of that, you know, and we just see it as one more thing to do. Well, I think it can really help when, when we have those kinds of supports there to always clarify with people, like, what do you need out of this today? Right. And make that explicit. But sometimes we, we know we're there to help people. We make those assumptions, but everybody's so busy that it's actually easy to lose focus on that. And so it's really good to be able to talk about, hey, what do we need to get done today that is going to help you? It is. It's def definitely easy to lose focus. And, um, you know, that's one of, you know, professionally, the norms are some of the things that we use to help us maintain that focus but sometimes you lose focus even despite the norms. And so realizing we're all in there, you know, like for a common goal is definitely helpful. And then just building that team outside of the professional sense, but like knowing each other and actually being present with one another and, and you know, in conversations and in aspects of life, like our team has had so many things go on, but we know we really are there for each other. So we know each other more than just as a teacher, we know each other in so many different senses of the word. So, and that makes a difference. Yeah. Well, and Kelly, you said the magic word, which is being present. And it, when there is so much going on, I think the power of presence actually increases because we all know we're busy. And yet, if you take the time, like you are right now, to be with me and we can have this conversation, that communicates that there's high value there. And so when we can do that with teachers, despite all the craziness, that's a huge win. I agree. And that's where, you know, I think about even looking forward into my career. I don't know exactly where all these doors will open, but that's one thing that I want to make sure that I always do, that I'm always present, present with my students, present with my team, present for other teachers. And I think that's a big part of being the teacher leader that I am, that I know how to sit quietly and listen and just let people talk through and process. They're not always looking for my advice. Like sometimes they just need to talk it out um, and they'll kind of do their own reflection without me having to really say a word, kind of go with, along with your five minute coaching. Um, you know, I mean, I think that's such an important piece of it. Kelly, I was prepping for a different podcast today that I was going to be interviewed on. And I literally have these notes in front of me. The big takeaway, presence, time and attention are the gift. You don't need to fill the space you create. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> they could interview you instead of me. Hey, I, I want to go back to the, the initiatives. And I'm hearing this a lot. And district level leaders are under incredible pressure. All of us are under pressure. But looking at the learning loss that happened in COVID and then all the other challenges that kids are facing, we all have this feeling like we have to do something, right? And we have to do something that somehow is 
over and above, we're going to be better than what we've always done because now we have these kids that are further behind. And, and that's a legitimate feeling. There's a legitimate pressure that we've got to do something. The challenge in it is that if we're going to do something, that means there's something else we can't do. And I think as leaders wanting to make a difference, we often lose sight of that. We look at something that we think is going to be good and we bring it back to you know, district leaders, bring it back to the district, building leaders, bring it to the build building. And we just roll up our sleeves and dig in without really thinking through fully what has to come off the plate. And so we're just squeezing more and more in. And so one of the things I I really encourage leaders, if you feel like you've got so much coming in and there's all these initiatives, is to take some time to talk with your teachers and with your leadership team and really think about what are the priorities? Which of these are the biggest priority? Because your ability to drive in two or three big initiatives at a time, nobody has that capacity right now. And so you're going to have to make choices about what elements of which ones we're going to drive in. And if the district says you need to do this, then you can't ignore it, but you can be really intentional about what parts of that initiative you're going to bring in. And I know in your situation, I think we're going to talk in a few minutes about running PLCs for behavior. Well, if I know that we've already started on that path and we're committed to that, and then I'm being told that there's this another initiative that we have to do, I can look for alignment, right? I can look for what are the pieces in this new initiative that I know we have to do that actually align to where we're already going and some of these other things we're trying to do. And so we can we can use our power of choice to create some continuity and thereby do what we're supposed to do, but also not add all those extra burdens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, when you talked about doing so much and like being able to dial that back, um, a huge thing that I have been learning in my leadership Academy, our County does a phenomenal job of growing leaders, especially those that are showing the desire, you know, to go into leadership of some sort. So we, um, our very first meeting, we talked about a lot about what you talk about with incremental change and just getting 1% better. Um, and so I think that that's something we try to be very careful about here, that we don't do too much too fast. And we realize that big initiatives take a long time to get there. And so basically working on many strategic plans prior to implementing an entire strategic plan all at one time so that the amount of failure we can fail forward when we do fail, but the amount of forward failure is is minimized so that we can feel successful in what we're doing and see, you know, some positive change going forward with just those incremental changes. So that is just so critical. And and if I'm working hard and really grinding it out as a teacher and feeling stressed, if I'm seeing small progress, that that's pretty motivating. It's motivating for sure. Anything else that you or your team have done or you've heard from teachers that would be good things that people listening can take back to their schools and 
try to minimize some of that stress? I definitely think having the focused meeting is makes a difference. Making sure that we kind of have a vision for each meeting and what we're doing helps us with segmenting our time and, and accomplishing the tasks that have to be done that are important or rather urgent to be done. Um, and so that definitely helps. So as we're going to talk about this in a little bit, having PLCs that are meant just towards behavior or those that are meant just towards planning or just towards data analysis, those things do seem to really help us with just wrapping our mind around the things that have to be done and that we're working towards. My biggest thing, and this is so huge in the team that I work with, is trust. Trusting one another that we can trust each other with different tasks. We can trust each other with the advice and the things that we talk about, like in so many different parts of our work and even personal life, that there is trust amongst our team. And that makes so much difference in how we work together. I love that. And it seems kind of basic, I guess. Like it's one of those things that's basic and confusing at the same time. Like we all know what trust feels like, but how do you actually build trust? What are some of the things that happen on your team that strengthen trust over time? So it was definitely over time. Um, and in fact, we've had team, you know, team members change in and out. And so anytime that that happens, um, you kind of have a little bit of shift in that because you're maybe unsure, maybe you don't know that person well enough to feel comfortable yet. But I, honestly, it's just building those relationships. We talked a little bit about being present, being a listener. Um, that's been a huge part of that, that we feel vested in the things that each other is doing um, and encouraging one another. But knowing that too, like on a professional level, that we are there for the students and that's really what it all boils down to also makes a huge difference. So it's easy for us to say sometimes, but is that what's best for them? You know, so when we're keeping them at the forefront, that's helping build trust in that professional sense. And then, you know, as I said, just the personal level too, that we're present with one another and we genuinely care and ask and listen. Yeah. And if, if we're continually very consistent in our actions and our words about the primacy of students, then even in times we disagree, we are giving the other person kind of the best credit, right? I That's not the way I would do it. I don't think we should do it that way. But I know that you really care about kids, right? So this there's not any ulterior agenda or anything. Yes. The other thing I think about when I think about building trust is vulnerability. And mm -hmm. it it's something that I think we have to be careful of. But when as leaders, we're able to be vulnerable and say, I made a bad decision on that, or I've got this situation and I just really don't know what to do. Or when we're able to talk about our own leadership goals and how we want to grow, I think all of those things can go a long way in building that trust because when I'm vulnerable, I'm saying, hey, I trust you, right? I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to be open and I trust you. Yeah, so I would say one of the most influential 
leaders that I have had in my career. And when I say leader, like he was a school principal, um, was someone who wasn't afraid to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. And so we could see that transparency there and that he was going to go figure out whatever it was that we weren't sure about, but he was okay saying he didn't know. And that impacted the staff greatly. I mean, those were conversations you would hear amongst different team members that, you know, we appreciated that in him. Um, And then just also just that continual push to grow ourselves as well, but to do that in front of other people that we're leading, I think makes a difference too. being able to show where you're learning yourself because we don't have all the answers. Um, And I think people need to see that we're willing to share that. And we know that about ourselves. I think a big step we could take in creating that culture where teachers are continually trying to grow is for us as leaders to do a little bit better job modeling that and making transparent. I have this leadership goal. I'm working on this. Here's, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's where I hope to go. When we can talk about that and model that for our teachers, now they know when we start asking them about their own growth, Hey, you guys are doing that too. Right. Kelly, I want to start to move towards this idea of leadership and that leadership is not confined to being the principal or the assistant principal. Although all APs out there know that sometimes there's, there's not a lot of authority that comes with that job, right? There's a lot of responsibility, but not a lot of authority. Tell us a little bit more specifically about your position. And, and then when you were going into it before you started, what were you thinking in terms of leadership? So um, some of my responsibilities as a leader have been kind of bestowed upon me um, initially, especially like I just, it wasn't something I always saw in myself, as I said earlier, but that other people saw in me. So initially that just looked like being a team lead being someone who is willing to facilitate meetings and, you know, just those sorts of responsibilities. But over the last couple of years, and I would really say even just this past year, looking into other options as being more of a teacher leader at a school level versus just for my own particular grade level team. So some of the things that have led to that have been that our county does a teacher leadership academy. So I applied to that. And so a lot of professional development is going into me through that program. And that is where I'm starting to assist in leading other teams in the school as well, not just my own instructional team that I work with. I also have stepped into being a PBIS coach, which is where some of the behavior PLC stuff that we'll talk about in just a little bit, where that's kind of coming into play and working on leading some professional development in that area as well. So, and then there, from there, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I'm going leadership wise. I am trying to prepare myself and do some professional learning and then even, you know, further my degree 
those are just personal goals as well. But also I know that that will help open doors as I feel led to walk through them. Are there times when people have come to you and treated you as a leader in a way that you didn't see yourself as a leader, specifically maybe in this last half, this first half of this year, or maybe last year where you went, oh, people are looking at me a little bit differently. Uh, my team. <laughs> so much more in me than I sometimes see in myself. Um, and so they have been actually a huge part of me even making this decision. Like at first I was like, I kind of want to like go for my doctorate, but I kind of don't know if I'm ready for that. And they're the ones going, you're a leader. We, you know, we respect you. We look up to you, do it. You, this is just where you need to be. Um, and then, you know, of course I share all the things that I'm learning in your podcast and other podcasts that I'm listening to as well. And so honestly, they have started, I guess, seeing more in me, as I've said, than what I saw in myself as a leader. And just from there, it just kind of keeps snowballing. Like I, you know, I see other teachers coming to me for advice about things that I'm like, I didn't even know that you would think to come to me or that someone would send you my way. But I love it. I love leading teachers and helping develop other leaders around me. So it's also kind of motivating and inspiring in and of itself to just want to push me forward. I want to go back to something you just said about sharing the podcast, sharing whatever podcasts. And I think anytime we share information that isn't ours, we share it from a different source and we share it with people and say, hey, you might want to take a look at this, or I found this interesting. Can we talk about it? That has a really positive effect on how people perceive us because they see us as wanting to learn and they see us as sharing knowledge in a way that's not self-promotional. I think one of the things I struggled with in some of my leadership roles was I would share stuff, but I was always sharing my viewpoint and the way I thought we should be doing things as opposed to bringing in third-party knowledge and then being able to have discussions around that. So I love that strategy of sharing information with people. Yeah, as I'm, as I'm developing myself as a leader, I am finding much more appreciation in the diversity of knowledge that other people bring about and, and just relish in listening to it, you know, because not the only person who has an idea. And so by combining all of those things and working together, you know, that's where we see that greatest impact. And I'm seeing it more and more as I learn. That's a great point. And we tend, we can get locked into a worldview based on our experiences growing up, but then also the kinds of schools that we work in or teach in and understanding that there are so many different kinds of schools and so many teachers are having very different experiences. And so being able to listen to those people and to, and to other viewpoints really can bring in ideas that maybe we haven't been exposed to in our suburban school or our urban school or rural school, but we hear somebody else doing it. And even though their school is different, we can at least play with the idea right? And see, okay, does this work for our context? And that's one of the things that I'm loving about your podcast is it's giving me so many different perspectives from people nowhere near where I am. So I'm like in the heart of Georgia in a military town. Um, 
but it's just opening perspectives from all over. And then also like with our teacher leadership Academy, it is all the way from our primary grades to our high school grades. And so same thing there, I'm getting perspectives from people that don't necessarily teach in the same type of school that I do also not the same grade levels I do. And so you don't always think about reaching out to those people, but it's good to have so many different perspectives and I enjoy listening to them and learning from them. I so appreciate you pointing that out. If, if you're someone that's working on your leadership and you have the opportunity to speak with, well, really to listen to teachers at the far other grade levels, if you're in middle school and you can have conversations with preschool and kindergarten teachers, that can be so enriching and you can learn so much from those people. So yes, 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 yes. Hey, what are maybe the biggest one, two, three leadership lessons that you've learned in the last six months? You know, I feel like experience is a huge teacher. And so thinking back in the last six months, maybe to a year, number one is the presence. Presence makes all the difference. Um, I hear that from teachers all over. I have friends who teach in other states. So it's not just in this area, you know, it's all over the place, but the presence of a leader and the presence of your team members makes a huge difference in morale. Um, Can I, I want to jump yeah. in? Have you had a specific experience where you actually really felt how that presence made a difference? 100%. And it was actually, this was several years ago. Um, so I was going through a tragedy in my own life um, with losing my dad and my current principal at the time, just his presence and counseling made all the difference in my ability to be present at work myself and to also help cope with the trauma of going through that. And he was present in the sense of genuinely asking how I was walking me, walking with me through some of the most difficult emotions that I would experience and letting me know it was normal and it was okay. And then being there to support me also as a teacher in the building, that was a huge game changer for me. And it showed me that he really cared and mm -hmm. not just me as an employee, but me also as a person. Yeah. And it shows the the power of presence, but also the power of putting people first. Yes. And, and again, that's one of the challenges when we're all busy, it's so easy to put those tasks first, but we need to remember it's always about people. And one of the interesting things you said in there is that when he met you as a person, when he was there for you and provided that presence and that support, that focus on you as a person actually made a difference in, on you in the classroom. Right. Yes. Yep. And that was just kind of a life altering moment, but in, in a good way, you yeah. know, and it showed me not just what to do as a leader, but also as a teacher in the classroom, because our kids are coming to us with all kinds of trauma and baggage that we may not ever really know about, but 
it impacts them and it might not be obvious for some, but others may show it in a way that we would never even show it ourselves, but that's how they show it. And so it was very eye-opening. I think we're almost in a time where we can just assume that everyone is carrying some kind of trauma and it, it may all look different. I know in, in the last couple of years, we have lost a lot of people for many varieties of reasons. Certainly politics influences people at the personal level. And we know we have you know, conflicts within families that have really taken a toll on individuals and we have the environmental stressors and, and so much negativity in the news, people carry that stuff. And I think for us to just assume right now that everybody has trauma is carrying that trauma. And, and then what we do with that is not try to fix stuff, but what we do is to double down on that idea of being present and maybe people share, maybe they don't, but to at least to be that presence and to be able to communicate through that, I value you, you're important. Right. Yeah. So that would, I guess, pull right into all of that. So much of what I see as the most important is just valuing people, you know, being a servant leader, someone who is present who values you and shows you that you're valued. And those are the people I've worked the hardest for and, and felt good about it. Like not, you know, I mean, I'm a hundred, I'm going to give you 110% no matter what, but it doesn't mean my morale is going to, you know, be high with it. But that particular principle, he expected a lot, but I gladly gave it. Yeah. Okay. This is great leadership stuff. Let's shift to the PLCs that are focused on student behavior. That was a new idea for me when you had shared it with me. So tell me what, what does that look like and how is that going? So yeah, it's a new idea for us too. So with us being a PBIS school, PBIS County, um, we've always had a PBIS team. So we've always had a set of teachers who have met monthly, centered around um, behavior data, talked about strategies that we could do, um, and just kind of moved our school forward with the thinking revolving around PBIS. What we haven't done is included all staff members. And so that's kind of our stretch there is we are starting to work to make that a collaborative effort amongst all of our teachers. And we're in a growth process right now with that. It's really just starting to get off the ground. Um, in fact, I did a survey with the teachers to just kind of see where our knowledge base of that was. And it's kind of, we've got some highs and some lows. Some people feel really, really comfortable with where the PLT time with behavior is going. Some feel that they don't know enough about it yet. So we're building the process and we're building it together because I think that's where we're going to have the most buy-in and, you know, being able to support both the students and the teachers with what that needs to look like for us. So when you get to where you want to go, what will that look like? We have a PLC that's student focused. So our, our goal is to kind of center around four questions about 
like kind of like how our academic PLCs go, but looking at what is it that we expect but the children to be able to do, which would be our, we call them our pause expectations, but it's our behavior expectations centered around four different roles. How will we know when they are exhibiting the behaviors we expect? How will we know when they're not? And what will we do when they're not? We do a really great job of rewarding our children who are doing well with meeting school-wide expectations. But sometimes we see that we struggle with the ones who are not meeting those school-wide expectations. So our goal here is to be able to basically hone in on those students that are struggling, be able to partner with them and even with their families and do some work around just building relationships with them would be one of our first key principles within our PLC time. But in figuring out how we can replace those behaviors before they continue down that path of like trending downward with their behaviors. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we know about kids is that they can only use the behaviors that they've mastered. So if the only responses they have to certain kinds of stress is to blow up or to run away, then that's all they can do. And if we don't ever teach them or give them the skills to do it more constructively, then they're going to keep going. So one of the very next professional developments, which it's not going to be long, it's going to really just be a tidbit of information that I want to focus on with our teachers is starting to look at behaviors kind of like we do an academic deficit. Basically what you just said, that it's that they've never learned to do differently. So if we start to make that mindset shift of how can we treat this more like an academic deficit, fill that gap and give them strategies to help them build appropriate behaviors that I think we'll see some major differences with the behavior choices being made by those students that we're focusing on. Kelly, I think one of our challenges is that we tend to view safety issues, disruptive issues by students as volcanoes, right? So everything blows up and we have to deal with the fallout. I really encourage people to think more about icebergs so what we're seeing in the classroom situation is the tip of that iceberg, but we all know there's a whole lot more underwater that we can't see. And it sounds to me like part of what you're going to be able to do or what you're doing is bringing people together and saying, okay, here's what the tip looks like. We know that, but what's happening underneath? Let's go get down under the water and let's look at there because that's then how we start to change things. And, you know, I think that's where the relationship building portion is going to be key. So we're wanting to do like student check-in and check-out, which is, you know, nothing new for a lot of people, but we're wanting to make sure that it's also not someone who is their classroom teacher, like giving them kind of a champion outside of the classroom where we're not there to do anything more than to just talk to you, see how you're feeling, what's been going on in life, and give them someone to build a relationship with that can then step in maybe later and like, hey, what's going on? You know, like, and get them to have someone that they can talk to, feel comfortable with. It's not just someone in their classroom. Yeah, and we know those relationships are 
just absolutely so critical. And I think they're more critical now than they've ever been. There are a lot of students, I think, that feel disaffected in school and aren't carrying some of the innate motivation that we want them to, right? There's a lot competing with dig in and do your homework, right? Or, or do this big project. Kids are really checking out, I think, in higher numbers than they have in the past. And so the reason that they're going to do stuff is not for the grade. It's not for the passion of learning, which we wish we could instill more of that. But a lot of times they're going to do it because they respect you. And they value you and they think, okay, if you want me to do this, A, it must be valuable because I know that you believe in me and you want the best for me, but also I just don't want to disappoint you. So that relationship just carries so much more weight, I think, than it did before. Yes. And so that's going to be a large portion of our program using that PLT time to be able to, you know, find those students that we feel will benefit from which they are all going to benefit from a relationship with someone. But we're looking at also who are we going to get the most value for the time that we can spend with them. Um, So we're going to use a lot of that time to be able to focus and talk about those particular students. And then, of course, we're going to build conversation around to just our general expectations for like our tier one behavior students and how we can continue to support them um, in that process. And I love it too, because you're talking about a team approach. And that's another thing we know about kids that are under a lot of stress. We can't do it as individual teachers. There's, it's too complex. We can't be everything to everybody. And so bringing the teaching team together and school leaders together as a team to focus on supporting those kids just makes so much sense. Yes. The other thing I like when you're talking about bringing in tier one strategies is in the PLCs, while you're student focused, it seems like you're also having opportunities to support teachers and support their implementation of some of the strategies that allow things to be dealt with more proactively. Exactly. Yes. So, um, and I kind of mentioned this earlier um, in our discussion, but that is what our PLC and PLT time is meant for is to be supports to one another as well. And so I'm hoping as we build this together, that that's going to be something that our teachers feel more confident in the support systems that we have in place for our students and for them. And in fact, one of the things that we talked about, so we just had our PBIS meeting um, for this month. We had it last night. One of the things that, um, we talked a little bit about was de-escalating students and the importance of us not being escalated ourselves because we cannot de-escalate a student when we are escalated. And so having that team approach is going to help in the manner of sometimes I'm not ready to deal with the situation, but my team member across the hall can step in and kind of be that mediator for us and help de-escalate while we both de-escalate, you know? So, as I know, we're teachers, we're humans, we have the emotions, and sometimes it's maybe not us who needs to step in, but a team member who knows those strategies that we've decided on and can help in that situation. Yeah, that's a great point. I know when I struggled with discipline as a teacher, part of it goes back to that volcano, right? I, I see just the incident, 
And so at the same time, I'm trying to end the incident deal with a kid. I'm also trying to administer some kind of consequence, right? Because right. I see a problem. So I want to deal with it now. What I love about what you're doing, and it goes back to that iceberg model, is knowing that explosive point, I just need to contain it. We just need to de-escalate, contain, make it as little as we can, because then the real work is not trying to punish during the event. It's going after the event and then figuring out what went wrong here. And so how do we how do we have consequences that are appropriate for what happened and that help the kid actually move forward and grow from the experience? And the reteaching and the replacement of the behavior that you know we deemed inappropriate for what whatever the situation was. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding like the, the consequences come afterwards. We don't need to administer the consequences in the middle of a problem. So good stuff. What do you think is going to be the next big step for, for this? Um, what are you looking forward to when you feel like, okay, we're really starting to hit our stride. What will you see that you don't see yet? So I have talked a little bit about um, that I love helping develop other leaders. So my long-term goal in this is that eventually it will be released away from me and that other team members will feel comfortable enough to start leading the process themselves and also devising appropriate professional development for what their team and their age group needs. So that's kind of what my end goal here is that I can kind of press and release and it will become about each individual team and what they're seeing and not just school-wide because you know the way a behavior I mean the way that a four-year-old is going to behave is going to be different than often our eight-year-olds here that we see and so that it won't just be school-wide that it'll be individualized based off of each team and each grade and the needs that they're seeing in their own data. I love that you're being so intentional about developing leadership in others. And speaking of developing leadership, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? So definitely the professional, or on, on my side of things, looking at professional growth. So I am digging deep and just trying to learn. I know that I don't know it all. And often I don't feel like I know much at all when it comes to my own leadership. And so the podcast and the books that I'm reading and putting myself into, you know, the programs that I've part of that leadership academy and deciding to go back to school myself, just working on growing my own knowledge from people that, you know, I admire and that can influence me and help me grow. And if listeners could take away just one thing from today's show, what should it be? I'm going to go back and say it again, presence. Like I really do believe in the power of presence and that's on a, a school leader level, but also on a team level. I just, I think when you're fully present and not just like I'm standing here, but like fully present, I'm not on my phone. I'm not thinking about how I can interject like I am actually here and I'm listening and I'm showing that I value you, that that's when we see the greatest positive changes. 
Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing today. This has been a great conversation and I love having having you on as a teacher who is a leader. I think that that's a voice that we just need to continue to elevate. And thank you for asking me. I've absolutely enjoyed it. I was so excited to get to be a part of a podcast I've been listening to for a while. And um, yeah, I appreciate it so much. And I know you're on LinkedIn, so we'll include your contact information in the show notes. If somebody wants to reach out, that's probably the best place to get a hold of you. Sounds good. Yeah, that All sounds right. great. Great. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't have much to add to what Kelly's just shared. I'll reiterate what she said about presence, specifically when she talked about her former principal who was with her through the death of her father. That principal was present because he cared about her. He was present to the person. Coincidentally, his presence helped her to be a better teacher in that moment than she might otherwise have been capable of. But he wasn't there to make her a better teacher. He was present because he cared. It's hard to be a teacher and a leader in schools, but when we show up for each other, when we are present for and with each other as people, there are a lot of things that will become better. Thanks for including me on your leadership journey. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Rating the show helps others find it. And if you want to be a super fan, consider leaving a review. I love hearing from you, so please consider emailing me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com or connecting with me on LinkedIn. In fact, that's exactly how Kelly wound up on the show. I'm not promising you a spot on the show if you write, but I will definitely respond. And again, I would love to hear from you. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. Mm-hmm.